Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm from sunny California, and now I'm living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Bebe. Hi. Hi, Jason. Hello, everybody. How are you, Jason? I'm wonderful. It's a lovely sunny day here in beautiful Beijing. Hmm. I just want to get outside and go for a walk. Nice. <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Okay, so it is National Day, but there's also accompanied by another holiday that is buried inside of it Ooh. called Chongyang Festival. Right. And I don't know what this is. I've lived in China 10 years. This is my first year having heard of Chongyang Festival. Mm. And it's something to do with two nines, and it has something to do with harvesting. Okay, well, it's in October, mm. the ninth day of the ninth month, because mm. I think the mm. number nine, I feel like I'm doing a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> nine, nine, nine. <laughs> yeah. Number nine is the greatest odd number. Well, from one to ten, right? Mm. The greatest digit. Yeah. So double nine is like somehow double of young or something. You know, yin and yang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got all ready for this. I've actually read the entire Tao Te Ching getting ready. Ooh, seriously? And I, yeah. Did you fall asleep in the middle? I love this book. It's oh, actually not my wow. first time. But there's this, I was looking for the nine part because I swore there was a nine, but there's not. But I did find this in chapter 42. Mm. It says, Tao gave birth to one. Mm. One gave birth to two, mm. two gave birth to three, and three gave birth to all myriad things. Mm. So I couldn't really find nines. <laughs> <laughs> it's included in the all myriad of things. <laughs> oh, ah, it's one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here I got something. Since nine is the highest odd digit, people take two of them together to signify longevity. Mm, mm. And therefore, the ninth day of the ninth month has become a special day. For people to pay their respects to mm. the elderly mm. and a day for the elderly to enjoy themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, uh, it's got its name, Chongyangjie, but also it's also mm -hmm. China's day for the elderly. Yeah. It's elderly day. Oh, okay. Wow, that's interesting. It's not a huge day, though. <laughs> like, it, it was probably more of a thing in the past. Mm. But now, you know, nowadays, uh, other festivals and holidays kind of overwhelm this You one. know, baby, we're always having ideas mm. for businesses. See, if this yeah. holiday hasn't really taken off in the way that it could, this is a great opportunity. You know those chairs that have wheels that, like, grandpa and grandmas drive around on the sidewalk? You mean wheelchairs? <laughs> well, they're like, they're like uh, yes, they're wheelchairs, but they have special, like, little... They look like a little car. Mm. It's like a, so it's a special little car for grandpa to go like cruise 20 down the sidewalk. Oh, I know the, the electrical ones. Yeah. The, oh. yeah. This should be the holiday where you are supposed to buy your grandpa one of those. Well, I'm not too sure because <laughs> it kind of signifies that they're getting really old. Mm. It's like, I think in China, you don't give, what do you call it? Like the thing that people old people use to stabilize themselves like the stick canes exactly Can canes and there's also the walker the big right metal and those walker. are even more ugly because canes you can they can still be like artistic yeah, cool. or nice looking with carvings and all but mm. the the other thing you mentioned yeah and some of them with like wheels at the bottom vroom, vroom. you see oh. them in, in hospitals <laughs> yeah you know when you're getting iv yeah yeah yeah, yeah injection yeah. <laughs> you you have to hold the bag up <laughs> You walk around with one of those poles with yeah. wheels at the bottom. So, yeah, um, like, do not give your mother-in-law a wheelchair <laughs> for this holiday. I think they found a way to make them sporty because they put tennis balls on the bottom of them. Oh, well, so they're fancy ones. Then you're like, okay. you're kind of playing tennis with the earth. Oh, I see. Or ping pong. Well, maybe not ping pong. They jump up too high. I, I don't know. We could try that. We could switch them out for ping pong balls and see if grandma notices. I don't think our business will take off, Jason. So Maybe let's move on to something else. So instead of talking about Lao Tzu, I was actually getting ready by reading Confucius. Wow, what a Hey, what happened? 
Like, what got into you, Jason? <laughs> well, okay, so I'm trying to understand modern China. As mm. everyone who listens to the show knows that Jason is desperate to understand what is going on in Chinese culture. So mm. in China, it's a different idea about how to take care of the elderly than exists in my home country. In my home country, a lot of the time, grandma goes into the home, which is, you know, a place where nurses take care of grandma. And then you're just supposed to visit her when your heart aches to see her. Mm. So, <laughs> But like in China, that's not really the case. Case. There are homes, but most people end up taking care of their pa- parents. Mm-hmm. There are there are a lot. I don't know what the percentage is, but there are a lot of uh, older elderly people living with mm. their children or with their in-laws or with their grandchildren. They're either taking care of their children or their children are taking Mutual. care of them or there's yeah. a symbiosis where they're taking care of each other. And so this idea where families live together for two, three, four generations in the same house is more I wouldn't say different from the West, but it's certainly more common in China than it is in the West. Well, yeah, and also more common in the past. But uh, you were talking about like homes, like senior uh, homes, right? Mm. But that it wasn't always a thing, though. Yeah. Like it it, it was um, it probably didn't exist, let's say, 100 years ago in the U.S. either. I would assume. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't always like, you know, people put their grandparents. A hundred years ago, like rate at which people died of old age was probably much younger. So like you didn't really you didn't have an 85 year old granny to take care of. Yeah. I remember reading somewhere that just a few decades ago that most Americans worked Mm. um, until they died. Now, that sounds horrible, right? But that is because back then people Mm. didn't live like average life expectancy just wasn't that high. The book was saying how retirement plans Mm -hmm. is actually relatively a new concept. Mm. So even though they give you fancy packages and this and that, the book was trying to remind us that these are not all that well developed because Mm. they're only a couple decades old. Yeah. Right. Your 41K plan or other investment funds. And back then, just maybe grandparents uh, or their parents generation, they worked Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. pretty much till the end. You have a a young daughter. When you are an old lady someday, you know, 100 years from now, baby. Yeah. Do you want to be living with your daughter and like, you know, still in the same home? Wow. She will be uh, in her late 80s and 90s. <laughs> it would well that would be a problem um i think the ideal fashion would be we live somewhere like close together mm, mm. maybe in two apartments oh. right? not too far from each other that would be ideal we'll, we'll see a couple decades ahead <laughs> Well, have you seen that video? There was a very viral video. It was on TikTok and Douyin. And Mm. it was also on Twitter. And it spread all over the internet of this old lady sitting in a chair and like all of her sons come and bow to her. And then all of her grandchildren come and bow to her. (laughs) And like there must have been like 40 people bowing. She was like, I guess, a great, great grandmother. Mm. And so she just had generations of family coming to bow to her on her like, I don't remember what birthday. That's but it was. Yeah, it's not uncommon, especially. Especially in the countryside. Mm. Also in the countryside, people, families live closer together, just not as spread out. And on like New Year's Day, right, for Chinese Spring Festival or on the elderly's birthday, especially if it's like, you know, mm. 90th birthday or 80th birthday. Right. Those yeah. are the big dates. Mm. Um, and then, you know, her or his offspring would all gather. It looks quite moving to see these modern adults and, and children included. Bowing in front of the elderly. Actually, it was was it last year? Mm. I think it was last year. We all went back to my daughter's grandparents' hometown, mm. like on my husband's side, to celebrate grandpa's 80th birthday. And so one part of um, the celebration was all his offsprings would bow mm-hmm. and in batches. First came, I think, the oldest one. Saves time. Um, It's just the, the <laughs> ritual. It was like that. Yeah. Um, So like the son and I was the wife of the son. So I was part of the first batch. And then da- sons and daughters and their husbands and wives uh, and they're all the other relatives. And then eventually 
or the grandkids. Yeah. There are no great grandkids yet. And remember, the grandkids kept bowing. The host of、uh, the whole event,、mm-hmm. he was kind of playing a joke on the younger ones.、Mm. Like they were supposed to maybe bow for like what nine times, something wow, like that、wow. is a good number. And the guy kept like <laughs> saying, "Okay, bow next time, bow next time." So they, <laughs> I think they ended up because you have to get up and then stand about, get、uh, up and stand about. It was kind、exercise. of exercise. Yeah, I think they end up about like eleven <laughs> times.、Wow. And my daughter was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, and but it was it was fun. Everybody understood. That it was just、uh, so that everybody had some fun. Yeah, that was part of the celebration. Listening to the bridge. Question number one: When you were a schoolgirl, you know, between the first grade and twelfth、uh, grade, did you read Confucius? Maybe here and there. We know who he was. We've heard of him. The influence of ancient philosophers on Chinese culture is not in textbooks,、mm. though they are part of it. Mm-hmm. It's in our everyday lives,、mm. right? If you're talking about filial piety,、mm-hmm. I'm not going to say a quote or anything because <laughs> you know there are quotes, but you you know you know it and you kind of just put it out of your mind. It's in the everyday practice, and you learn that in your families, and it's in in the society because most families are like that. They make up part of the web of Chinese culture. You're defining Chinese culture as having filial piety.、Mm. So, what does it mean to have filial piety? Also, question number three, I guess. When you look at other cultures, do you see that there is less filial piety?、Um, And how do how do you see that? If I say yes, then it doesn't sound good. <laughs> but I think I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I want to just know the truth. I feel like there are less connection,、mm. and sometimes a little less respect exhibited. Because、mm. I think maybe、mm. there's still enough respect. Respect inside, but maybe not as much action. But let me give you an example of what, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Uh, like filial piety in real life. Sure. Let's say、uh, our daughter. We try to go back to visit, like my parents and then my husband's parents、mm-hmm. every year. And since we're closer to my husband's parents, so we go more often、yeah. geographically. Yeah. Geographically.、Uh, so, like,、mm. if possible, maybe two or three times a year.、Wow. It's a long trip, but still, it's possible. It's feasible.、Mm-hmm. And whenever my daughter reunites with grandparents, you know, any older generation, people from the older generation, let's say we bought some fruit, the oranges or、um, apples, and、mm-hmm. whenever, let's say, my daughter says, "I want an orange," so we get her an orange, and we, you know, you know I or my husband will peel it for her. And then you break the flesh apart, right?、Mm-hmm. And I take out the first one, and I always tell her, ever since she was little, that give this to grandpa,、mm-hmm. okay?、Mm-hmm. Or and the second one give this to grandma,、mm-hmm. and the third one goes to whoever is the next oldest、mm. down the line. And、um, and then when she was older, I'll just tell her, "Oh, who's the oldest in the family?"、Mm-hmm. Kind of to drill it in. Yeah.、Oh, <laughs> right?、Wow. And yeah, so it's it's been like that ever since until that she knows by herself that whatever goodies that you have, you offer it to the oldest one. Uh, presents and then, but it doesn't stop there. So it, it goes around in circles.、Mm-hmm. Usually, let's say oranges.、Mm-hmm. You don't just get one. They're usually couple, right, in、sure. the family.、Um, so the first one goes like that. She gives to everyone around, and then to mom and dad, and then finally herself.、Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's only one orange, it goes to the grandparents. And the grandparents would say no, 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 no. You eat it, and that's always the case. Actually, they they always just say, "Oh no, you have it," because they think the youngest would have it.、Mm-hmm. The youngest would insist that the grandparents have it. It all sounds complicated, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. these actions carried out in, in just in seconds, right? It just sounds complicated.、Mm. And if the, we have more oranges, the grandparents will eat that, and then we get a second one. 
And that's the one my daughter would have. And the whole thing takes a few minutes, maybe less, right? But it's the procedure. It's the right thing to do. If there's only, if it's something really precious, like we only have, uh, let's say, a, a, a one mango or something, like a guest brought. Mm. And then maybe, you know, she will offer a slice for the grandparents. They might not even eat it and give it back. Or they might take a little bit, right? A little chunk and save the rest for the daughter. So in the end, my daughter would know that I should respect the elderlies in the family, but everybody loves me. So that's how it works. Mm. And that's just one very particular example. Yeah. So if I'm going to try to translate what you've said from practical example into, uh, philosophy. I guess, a bullet point. Yeah, back into philosophy <laughs> sure. for me to understand. So what you're saying is instead of reading Confucius, that the ideas forwarded by him thousands of years ago, they have just become dozens of little practices that families teach their children from generation to generation. Yeah, it melts into your lives. These are not like bullet points we print mm -hmm. out and tape onto the fridge. It's just, is how we were raised and how we uh, raise our own children. It's in everything actually, right? How you, you know, when you come home, you call out to your grandma, grandpa, if they live with you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, when you go out, you tell them where you're going so they don't worry about you. Um, and especially at meals, uh, you probably noticed, right? If you join family gatherings, let's say of your wife's family, it's always uh, everybody sit and wait until the oldest member of the family, well, they sit at a certain spot, a uh, certain chair, until they start eating. Um, and they they will sometimes figuratively pick up something and eat, and then everybody else can eat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, we stress mm -hmm. this uh, a lot when, you know, when my daughter, we eat at banquets with other people. Just let's say the uh, mid-autumn festival, mm -hmm. we got together with a couple mm -hmm. family members. Like the other aunts and uncles are my, my generation, but still one step above my daughter's. Mm -hmm. And um, there's uh, this other kid from the other family. She insisted on sitting on the central seat. So there is a seat mm -hmm. that, you know, the the host. The furthest from the door. Yeah, I think so. And we knew that not also because the napkin was folded differently. Oh, wow. Uh, th that napkin was like the tallest. And I think maybe that's why the kid, she was, she's like four years old. Mm, maybe that's wow. why she wanted to sit there. Cool napkin. Maybe. It wasn't that pretty. It was just like a <laughs> tall tower, but it signified that this is a seat for uh, the host of the banquet. Or actually the, mm. the oldest of the fam the banquet. Mm. So she wanted to sit there, but her parents were like saying, no, 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 you can't sit there. <laughs> right? This mm. is um, the seat for, for uncle da da da. Because he was the oldest. Yeah. But she started throwing a tantrum. <laughs> you know, she started crying and she started insisting and she made it into a matter of love or not. Like, you, you, I can't sit there because, you know, you don't love me. Oh, my goodness. Her parents were so embarrassed. <laughs> but even that, I think this went on for actually a quite a long time. Wow. And eventually her parents had to, like, take her out. <laughs> and, um, even that, uh, as much trouble as she um, seems to be creating, mm. I mean, she's only four, right? But her parents insisted that she follow the rules. that she follow the rules. She's like, no, there's we're not gonna budge, no, no matter what she what she does. And eventually, this is like forty minutes later, <laughs> she came back on her own and joined the banquet and started eating. Well, all she has to do is wait sixty more years, and it's her seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, next time you tell her that. <laughs> but it's just a, a recent example of uh, how I think we learn mm. about, you know, what what's the proper thing to do. And of course, the root of that is respect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not about, you know, following rule one, rule number two. It's so that we have our uh, proper respect mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. people. That just makes our relationships flow much better. You know, I want to try to compare it to the West, but honestly, it's difficult to do that because what I find from coming from America is that mm. there are different families with different customs and some may be, you know, more respectful to their elders and their fam families and some mm. might be less so. So I think it's difficult for me to mm. say, well, China is like this and America is like that because America is mm. not, you know, in the same way that China, China's not a monolith and there are probably families that don't carry out all of these rules, you know, in the same way that your family does. Mm. America is not a monolith and also does, you know, different families have different traditions and different histories and mm. Because they're from Italy or they're from America or they're from the Latin America, they're from Asia. And so all the families, whether they be first or second or third generation, are going to be different in how they express themselves mm. with their with the elderly. But I do notice that there is a bell curve towards 
putting people in homes and kind of putting them away from the family mm. uh, as opposed to having them at home. Well, first of all, you have to have these uh, senior homes to mm. be able to for them to go because some elderly might not even want to live with their children either. Right. Mm. If they can have a nice place that offer themselves freedom and allow them ki- allow their kids more freedom, then why not? Right. Mm-hmm. They can still visit mm-hmm. each other and it will I think it will become more popular here in China, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one more option, right? And also, yeah. um, it is uh, it is not easy for people, like middle-aged people, mm. to be taking care of their own parents and then their kids at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes it works out uh, because the grandparents help to take care of uh, the grandkids. Yeah. But, other, but other times, it's just uh, maybe they're, they're sick or for other reasons, mm-hmm. it, it can't be done. And then there's the option of um, senior homes, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I actually have come around to this because I've been living here quite a bit. And recently, my wife's mother was living with us. And mm. you, before my wife's mother lived with us, I was like, oh, gosh, I hope I don't have to live with my in-laws. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but afterwards, I was like, it was, it's not so bad. It was actually right. kind of cool. She cooked all the time. There was constantly <laughs> a, like a stream of food flowing from, the, from kitchen. the kitchen. <laughs> it was like, you know, this, this is actually kind of nice <laughs> yeah and also also because uh even if she nags you don't really understand what she's saying so oh no it was, that, you know it helps it helps a bit it was better than that baby uh-huh. she always took my side in every argument really oh yeah well, she was always you know? like she's like i could tell she was berating my my wife she's like <laughs> you should listen to jason more. and i was like oh okay you know <laughs> Thank you, mom and mother-in-law. You know, maybe maybe we got a place for you. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the other day we were talking about the degrees of assimilation into Chinese culture. Mm, mm. I think living, being able to live with in-laws is really high on the list. Like, <laughs> you've made it that far, Jason. I, it's hard for me to think of something else that's even higher above that. Because I think central to... Uh, American culture is, of course, mm, individualism, mm, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, like everybody, we should have our freedom, our own space, you know, and people make fun of uh, living with your in-laws. <laughs> and I won't say it's common, but, you know, it's that's the case in a lot of families. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm. do get those insults where it's like, oh, who is this guy? He's probably living in his mom's basement jokes. You know, I think right now in the yeah. last two or three years, because the econ- economy in the U.S. has been not as wonderful as it has been in the past, mm. it's more families are living together right now. And so I think it's less stigmatized. Mm. But, you know, the larger arc since like 1940s and 1950s is that families, as soon as you turn 18, it's time to move out, which was my the case with me. My parents were like, you know, Jason, you need to get out of the house. We want you to go find your own way. Wait, so how did that conversation actually go? My mom came to me and said, you're 18 and a half it's time for you to go were you at home or in college or no you know i didn't actually start university until i was like 20 or 21 okay so you stayed at home for a bit after high school did you work uh, yeah i was working but i was hanging i lived at home and i was just living like a, a free-for-all life doing whatever i wanted like i just took my money mm-hmm. and then i'd go hang out with my friends until my money was gone <laughs> and my, my parents you know i was 18 or something about that mm. and my parents were like you know he needs to go learn what it means to pay bills oh. what it means to try to have a home mm. what it means to Hey, this is kind of an American practice. It's like, okay, boot to the bottom, get out, go out there and f- figure out what the world's really like. Just see, here's the thing mm. that I think that needs to be said is that if right now, if I said, mom, I want to move back in with you for a couple of years even mm-hmm. and like get my feet and maybe get a new degree, she'd be like, okay, no mm-hmm. problem. I'd love to have you back. <gasps> and that's a different thing because now I know how to live my life. Right, and if right. I was moving back, it would be for a purpose. That's true. When when you get to a certain age in America, it's kind of like the little bird where mm. mommy bird has to push the baby birds out of the nest to make sure. You've got feathers already. <laughs> out you go. Yeah, you can fly. Yeah, <laughs> mommy's not going of throwing up food into your mouth anymore <laughs> it's, it's out of love and also there yeah. are four of you yeah four sons yeah right. so it and sons right i think sometimes you know especially here i guess families treat their daughters and sons sometimes a little differently well, how so how like so? they would they would pamper the girls a bit more mm, mm. it's probably you know similar elsewhere too mm. Right, because girls, you know, they just parents just want to protect them mm-hmm. a little bit more. Mm. But guys, oh, you gotta go out and find a job. <laughs> it's like you gotta know how to make a living. <laughs> no one wants to pay for your bills. Mm. So yeah, well, maybe not for every family.
before we move on and keep talking about the same kind of topic about like family mm. and how is that maybe different and the same as Western values, I want to talk about Confucius just a little more. Sure. What other things is Confucius known for? Because the things I could tell you are very short. I know he was into archery and uh, I know he had 72 famous students mm. and he wanted the government to be benevolent and work for the people. Mm. And that's about the extent of my knowledge about Confucius. But I know that he's one of the most important thinkers in Chinese history. Right. It took a while. So he didn't really have a very good uh, career path, you know, in his lifetime. <laughs> I think for if it's uh, he, I don't know how frustrated he was, but mm. it, if it was mm. me or you, I don't know. I think we would be pretty frustrated because mm. like no one was listening. <laughs> Yeah, but then I went to his temple in um, Chufu, oh, Shandong, nice. and there was a plum tree. They're like, there's placards mm. there that say, This is the plum tree under which Confucius taught his disciples. So mm. I assumed that there were at least some folks listening if he had a plum tree audience. A couple thousand <laughs> <laughs> in his lifetime. Mm. And then, of course, endless, right? Mm. Following mm. that. See, things take time, right? Great thoughts mm. takes time to be digested mm. and to be uh, people to learn from that. So, well, I think of him as a great educator, mm. right? And also a philosopher. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's like yeah. teacher, the teacher <laughs> among teachers in, in Chinese culture. Here in Beijing, they have a Confucian temple. It's actually not too far from the Lama temple. Oh. And uh, inside that, because I was a little perplexed about what is Confucianism mm. and at coming to Beijing for the first time in my first six months or year, I went to the temple and I was a little perplexed because it, to some people, it, there are um, mythological or even magical powers associated with Confucius. Because there's a there's a process where hmm. you buy this gold card that looks like a credit card kind of, but it's it's got like hmm. engravings of, of Confucius on it. And I was instructed by the hmm. people there to make a wish that has something to do with like education <laughs> and, and uh, carry uh -huh. the card with me at all times until the wish came true. And then when the wish came true, I was supposed to return the card to the temple. And so. Uh, oh, yes. Th that is. Um, I think it's not just for that temple. Mm. In Chinese, it's called Huan Yuan. Mm. That you go to temple to ask for something. Let's say a family wants a child mm -hmm. and they've been married for years uh, with that one. And then they may go to a temple to pray for an offspring. Mm. And uh, once they do have a child, then they need to take the time sometime in the future. It doesn't have to be right away. Mm. And you go back to the place and to the the god or goddess, wherever you mm -hmm. pray to, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, to say thank you to Huan Yuan. And the, thank you for fulfilling my wish. Mm. So that is common. So what yeah. I understand a little bit about is that some of Chinese culture is what we call syncretic, where different philosophies adopt the ideas from each other. Mm. So in Buddhism, you have a little bit of Taoism. And in Taoism, you have a little bit of Buddhism and Confucianism. So like all of these kind of borrowed from each other to where like if you go to the White Cloud Temple here in Beijing, mm. there are actually statues of Buddha and Guan Yin, mm. so which are come from Buddhism. So like they kind of borrow each other's like uh, ideas. Well, I don't really consider them borrowing from each other. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. because truth is truth mm. and um, they share the truth. Mm. You know, this different people's different path of getting to know the truth and gaining wisdom. I mean, even Western religion or philosophy, mm -hmm. right? They share similar things. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So I don't consider them borrowing. Yeah, it's just different paths to mm. the same place. listening to the bridge So for those of you who are interested in the Chongyang Festival, which I guess is a celebration of the elderly or your grandparents or uh, the older generation, it is October 4th of this year 2022. We will be celebrating this for ourselves in like, you know, a decade or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, not too far away. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to want one of those those little cars for old people. Ah, uh, but you want those fancy ones, right? Totally. Actually, I only like, say this because my wife actually saw one the other day and she's like, I want, mm -hmm. I want one of those. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? You're not even 40. <laughs> Wait, what, what are those things that kids use? Like they stand on it and it just goes. What do you call oh, that thing? Oh, gosh. I think they're called hoverboards, or maybe that's just one brand. No, I think there's, yeah, something else. Because um, they're, like, so popular in China. And you you see kids use them in the neighborhood. And I always mm. wondered why. Like, why can't you just walk and run? Like, kids are supposed to <laughs> run around. Yeah, that's what... 
I thought too, when I saw kids doing that, I was like, you are like, when I was a kid, I just had to run around in circles. You have legs. (laughs) And I had fun running around in circles. Right. You were supposed to get the exercise and now you're just like drifting (laughs) on wheels in the sun. Maybe there'd be a whole generation of children around the world who can barely walk later in life. Oh, not, yeah. Well, not getting enough exercise. Um, And also, I I just want to mention something Mm -hmm. since we're talking about filial piety, Mm -hmm. because if you understand it just as a concept like as an isolated mm-hmm. concept, then it's not really yeah. what it is about. Because mm-hmm. with or without the concept or the philosophy of filial piety, we all agree that as humans, right, it's good to have love. It's good to build good mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's good to have harmonious societies. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we, yeah. we agree upon that across culture. Uh, yeah, across all cultures and societies, there are some people who are... Uh, you know, exceptions to that, what are they called? Sociopaths? <laughs> I think it, they, nice, they comprise <laughs> half of 1% of all people, but they exist in all societies. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good. So based on that, and here comes the question, mm. how do we become loving person that can sustain and build meaningful relationships wow. and thus build a harmonious society? How do we become that? That sounds like the beginning of a book. What, what's your answer? <laughs> well, the answer is we start somewhere, mm. right? And that somewhere most likely is your home. Mm. This is where you are loved since you were born, hopefully, mm. right? And this is where you learn how to love others. Mm. So the purpose, if we have to say there is a purpose, because for Chinese fam- like for, for Chinese people, you don't ask them. You don't have to ask them, why are you being good to your parents? Mm-hmm. Why do you mm-hmm. have filial piety? They will stare at you and like, huh? Why? What do you mean? Why? <laughs> it's like, that's something you do. It's just being a, you know, you, you do the right things. Um, but if you have to think of a purpose, mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, that's, that cost could be the root of it. Mm-hmm. How do we learn to become a loving human being? Mm-hmm. And uh, if we are just loved by our parents, by our grandparents, we know that we are precious, right? We know that we feel safe. We have a sense of safety. But how do you learn to do this? For other people, mm-hmm. how do you learn to respect others, right? To to build re- meaningful relationships. Well, my child learns by taking the time with us, travel, to visit grandparents, to visit aunts and uncles, um, to respect them in mm-hmm. everything they do when mm-hmm. you are in their presence, right? Offering them whatever goodies, even if just one candy. Because I remember back when I was a a child, I lived with my grandma most of the time, all the time, actually. My parents for part of time wasn't home. I remember this clearly. One time I was already in junior high and uh, a classmate gave me a piece of candy Mm -hmm. and it was some kind of fancy candy. Mm -hmm. Maybe it had like pepper in it or something Mm -hmm. like it was a it was a fat then. You know, it was something special. And I really wanted to eat it. I really wanted to try it. But I put it in my pencil box and uh, wait till, waited until the end of the day, end of the school day. Mm-hmm. And he brought it back home and offered it to my grandmother. I was like, Grandma, you know, try this. And this is like something special. You've never tasted before. And then, you know, she was like, oh, really great. And then she will say, you eat it, you eat it. And then you kind of like shuffle back and forth. <laughs> mm. You know, that's the normal procedure in a way. But it's all natural. But who ate it? Who ate it, baby? Of course I ate it. <laughs> but I made sure, I made sure that my grandma licked it. Uh, right? Uh. She would never eat that candy. Like just pop it in her mouth. Like no sensible grandma would do that. Right? <laughs> but, Thanks, um, kid. <laughs> <also> <laughs> Yes, and imagine how <laughs> scarred for life. <laughs> you my candy. <laughs> yeah, the story will be different. But this is, you know, one small thing about how um, one is loved and one learns to love, and how this relationship is is built. Um, and then you spread from that. Yeah, I mean, it's not just being loving because you know families in, in the Middle East and Europe and America they're all loving too. But China expresses its love for its elders in ritual kind of ways. Let me give you an example. Mm. In some traditional Chinese weddings, it is part of the wedding for the uh, newlyweds to take tea and offer it to the parents. I believe of the bride but i could be wrong both both, both yeah both. it's part of our my wedding too 
So yeah. it, so you're actually doing a ritual where you're serving your parents at your wedding. This is not something that really happens at a Western wedding. See, in the Western wedding, the father offers his daughter as, I guess, you know, to the new family that is uh. being formed with the, the groom's family and, and walks her mm. down the aisle and gives her away. So it's a different tradition. Mm. When one in, in the Western tradition is giving the bride away. In the Chinese tradition, it's the couple promising to continue to take care of their parents by offering them tea. Uh, let's see. My wedding was a fusion of both, you know, Western and Chinese. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the more traditional Chinese wedding would be, um, so the bride would still be at home. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, Stealing the bride. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And with her parents. <laughs> yeah. You have to go, like, literally steal, well, not steal, but, but you know, you, you take the bride from her house. Um, <laughs> and there is, like, there could be complicated procedures, depending on what kind of friends you have or she we has. Need, we need to differentiate this because there's another tradition, I'm not going to say the country, where they actually do steal the bride. So, no, this okay. is not stealing. This is, like, it's a happy, happy. So the groom and his party, they show up at the front door and then the, the door is guarded and locked by the... Bridesmaids. The, bride by the bridesmaids yeah, and all of her girlfriends who right. demand that the, the, the gentleman either solve puzzles or bri bribe them <laughs> so, to get in. <laughs> right. So things could get really interesting. I remember in this video that went viral, mm. um, like the the groom was at the door of the bride's house and he had to pass a test. Mm. It was like an English test or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you spell this and that? It was just like a fun game they created. Yeah. And uh, I've heard of others. Um, they froze the key <laughs> to to the bride's uh, door because when you go inside the bride's house, you have like the bride is in her room, hmm. right? Hmm. And um, and then you need to find like a pair of red shoes or something. They try to make this quote unquote difficult hmm. because it's not so easy to marry my daughter, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so and then uh, as to the tea ceremony it's not just offering tea you will be kneeling down mm. like so the bride's parents will be let's say sitting on the sofa all dressed mm -hmm. up and then you two would be will like kneel in front of them and maybe kowtow three times and offer them the tea then they will give you mm. uh in return a thick red envelope filled with cash <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then this is also the time when you don't refer them as auntie and uncle anymore. Uh. This is the time when you start calling them mother and father. Mm. So mm. this is a little ritual of that part. This point on, they are your mom and your dad. Oh, yeah. The best military commander is not he who fights a hundred battles and wins every one of them. The best military strategy does not lead to the desiccation of the enemy's capital city. Decoding the art of war will help you understand why there's no art in war and how Sun Tzu stayed undefeatable using the science of war with fun stories and insightful breakdown of famous battles. Tune in to Decoding the Art of War on Spotify. You're listening to The Bridge. It's a series of little rituals that are passed down. So, for example, giving the elderly the best seat, the most, the highest seat in a particular seating arrangement, giving, offering them candy, giving them the first opportunity to eat things like oranges, food, eating first, <laughs> kowtowing to them, serving them tea. I can, uh, tea. What else am I, I missing? Are there other rituals? Yeah, think of something funny. Sure. Um, so you mentioned the double ninth festival or Chongyang mm -hmm. festival. Mm -hmm. And usually there will be jokes online saying that there are not enough feet to be washed on the Chongyang Festival. Okay. Do you know what, what that means? I have no idea. <laughs> so on this day, it's almost like, um, uh, well, I think people, a lot of people are doing this for show now. Mm. right? One way of taking care of your parents or grandparents is you wash their feet. Mm. Okay, This, of course, was a necessity back then, mm. before the age of uh, instant hot showers mm. and all that. Well, people didn't have, you know, the right, I guess, would you call appliances, right, for taking a hot shower every day by themselves. Then people wash their feet at the end of the day yeah. and other parts just separately. <laughs> um, but the elderly, it's hard for them mm -hmm. to kneel down and to reach their feet. So it's um, mm. it's very common, like growing up, mm. we know, for the kids to carry a bucket of uh, hot water 
And also, of course, a lot of people have the tra- tradition of soaking their feet. Yeah. Right? It's just, it allows your blood to flow and it's, it's very comfortable. Mm. It's good for you. So offering, bringing your parents uh, hot water for washing their feet, it's almost like a, a thing to do to show your respect for your parents. It's like part of how you take care of elderly who can't take care of themselves. So on this day... On the uh, day of for the elderly, sometimes schools would arrange trips for kids to go to like senior homes. Mm. And then the, the kids, as a way of showing their respect, will help the elderly do things, maybe cleaning. Mm. And mm. part of it mm. is that, you know, they might wash the elderly's feet, <laughs> as gross as it sounds. Mm. Um, so sometimes on this holiday, there are not enough feet to go around. <laughs> for... <laughs> and nowadays, you know how people capture everything on videos, on photos. And a lot of times they just do this so that they can take a photo. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Remember? Yeah, yeah. And and it's um, maybe this sounds funny to you, but in my, my daughter was in kindergarten. And I think probably... <laughs> All the kids in my neighborhood have done this. Like one day, my kid came back and told me, Mom, I have to wash your feet. <laughs> and, and I have to take a picture what? of it. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she's like, my teacher told us so. And, you know, they told us we should respect our parents and help our parents do things. And I have to wash your feet. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know. It probably sounds um, odd to you, but it was real. It was hilarious when I heard this because I know what's going on. Uh, so you were like, right? you, wait, so you had to do something similar. Um, I don't remember. Maybe, maybe not. So even if I did this back when I was little, it was out of, you know, I wanted to help my grandmother. I used to give my grandmother showers. It's a similar thing, right? Because wow. uh, she had harder time she's she was in her like 80s Mm. so this is similar it's just instead of the whole body it's the feet Mm. so um it's another but now people kind of uh think it's uh, hilarious because instead of doing this every day for the elderly they do this on this like festival Mm. and everybody you know try to do this (laughs) so some elderly in the senior homes like they were like my feet has been washed like 10 times today (laughs) because of this festival You're listening to The Bridge. I noticed that in Korea, Koreans also follow a lot of traditions. So they have a lot of Taoist temples and they also follow Confucius. They have Taoist temples. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of Korean culture like Confucianism is very popular and they, they, you know, read Confucius. Mm -hmm. They're very much also into the idea of paying respect to their elders Mm -hmm. in a way that is obvious to me as an American is somewhat different from my own culture. Mm -hmm. I'm not, and I'm not saying we don't care for our elders elderly people we mm-hmm. do but not in the same way not with the same same rituals like how did they do it what did you notice that's different in korea the language of korea ha- automatically pays homage to anyone who is older than you so if you know well that's that's same here in china and also in japan yeah but it, that doesn't exist in english huh so in chinese you know there is ni Right, you. Mm-hmm. And there's another form of you. Nin. But you never use that, right? Really. I use it every day. I use it. Okay. Most people I see, they don't use that very much. And so like uh. in Korean, the actual conjugation of verbs in every single sentence mm. will be determined by the age of the person or the, the mm. level of respect you owe to the person you're talking. Every single sentence. Right. So if you, you know, you have Anyang for friends and then you have Anyang Haseo for people a little bit older and then you have actually Anyang Hasam Nida or something for like people who are much much older Ooh. so the the degree of respect determines the mm. the conjugation of verbs when you are addressing other people in any kind of sentence that addresses mm. another person with any and yes in china you're right it does exist in mm-hmm. ni and nin but in, in english where i'm mm. from it doesn't exist yeah. at all like there's nothing like that I mean, you could say sir or ma'am mm. but you know older people will say sir and ma'am to 20 year olds walking into walmart in america so oh. So it's a little confusing. <laughs> well, in, in Chinese, like if you want to ask someone mm. their age, it might be different. It, it's mm. different when you can tell that they're a different, a different age. Like for someone who is much older, you actually ask, like mm. what's your reverend high age? Mm. Uh, for younger ones, you kind of, let's say um, a young lady, you can say, there's like a particular phrase for asking young ladies. Mm. Um, and then for kids, it's like, how old are you? <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, it's, sometimes it's different. Mm-mm-mm. So there are differences in language between East and West, and we're a show that connects East and West. And there are obvious differences mm. in the language and the rituals that you've described here in China that exist that are meant to instill in children greater respect for for their elders. But you know, thinking the other way, I think in Western culture.、Mm-hmm. Um, it's also another form of respect、mm-hmm. because sometimes in Western culture you don't want to distinguish you you don't want to distinguish older people from the younger ones. Oh, you're right. That's a good point, baby. Because older ladies will say, "Oh, I I'm 29 or whatever." I'm not old,、yeah. right? Because for them, they don't want to be reminded of their age,、yeah. or they don't want to be different because they're older.、Mm. So when you're talking to them, you don't want to. It's like in in the West, I wouldn't very insightful, baby. Just I I wouldn't just offer anyone my seat. Because they look older than me. Because、mm. uh, in China, you would do that, right? No, I, w- I don't know. I'm not actually sure about this. I think, I mean, maybe 20 years ago, I think things may be different in both China and the United States. But I think today,、mm. now, if there's a pregnant woman or an elderly person who clearly is, needs help with sitting, sitting, I think in both China、mm-hmm. and in the United States, people are going to try to accommodate that person. Well, good, yeah, and hopefully <laughs> they won't be offended. <laughs> and hopefully that lady is actually. Pregnant instead of just <laughs> having a big belly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could make the mistake. Yeah, I guess,、right. I guess so.、Yeah. But I think that the intention to help people is the same most of the time. You do get、exactly. some disrespectful youths in America sometimes who don't, who are deliberately being contrary. But I think that the the bell curve is shaped towards giving respect towards older、right. people.、Yeah. I think in general, like when we、um, get to know. American culture, we feel like it's more relaxing in、mm-hmm. a way. Like、mm-hmm. you don't worry as much about not doing the right thing.、Mm. It's like as long as you're like you know relatively normal, your actions, you're okay. Like you don't easily offend anybody. <laughs> yeah. But in the United States, I feel like if you called home to mom or dad and you're like, "I can't make it for Thanksgiving," or "I can't make it for Christmas," like this year, mom and dad would be like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." In most families, there'll be families where it's like, "Wow, I'm devastated. This is our family tradition,"、mm-hmm. but it is not a cultural, social requirement that you return home for certain holidays. It's just kind of like something you can do, and maybe you sh- some families、mm-hmm. do it more than others.、Mm-hmm. But I feel like in China, if you were to say, when families say, "I'm not coming home for," Chinese New Year, it's like what? Well, I think one thing because everybody else goes home、mm. for the Spring Festival,、mm. right? You need a good reason to not do that. Yeah. And why wouldn't you go home,、mm. right? Unless you have something really, really important.、Mm. Well, maybe you have travel plans. I guess understandable, right? You want to k- take your kids elsewhere.、Mm. But if you can, people would try to make it. I mean, it's like once a year, so. Quickly, I want to switch back to this Chongyang Festival, October fourth, nine nine, the ninth day of the ninth month, and talk about chrysanthemum. They are flowers for our listeners. Who they are a kind of flower that、uh, is beautiful, and apparently you can turn it、nope. into a tea, and it is a. It's an antioxidant. It detoxes the body, but it's、mm. also associated with this holiday. And people drink tea,、mm. chrysanthemum tea, to stay healthy. I guess on this particular day. Yes, I think that's part of the tradition.、Yeah. Well, there's another one, and it is carrying dogwood. So I had to look. What what is dogwood? I had to look this up. So it is a something you carry, and it smells, and it keeps some kinds of insects away.、Ah. So I guess maybe not now、mm. in 2022, but at some top point in. Some parts of Chinese culture and history, people carry dogwood around on this. I read a legend. I, you know, there are so many different legends, and some holidays are.、Uh, some people have different、uh, legends that they associate with different holidays in China. So I don't want to、mm-hmm. narrow it down. This is the legend. It's a legend that exists.、Mm-hmm. And there was a family living at the base of a mountain,、mm-hmm. and someone said, "Oh, on this special day, you need to come with me to the top of the mountain and abandon your entire home for to be safe." So they all evacuated up the. Mountain,、mm. and when they returned, they found all of their animals, livestock, and otherwise 
dead. And so it's actually considered a great blessing. Not like it oh. sounds like a bad thing, but apparently if they had stayed, they they, they, they would have died too. And so mm. they were like very happy and grateful to be saved on this very special day of October 4th. And somehow Dogwood got associated with that because it was part of like the trek or something. Yeah. And also, uh, I just remembered the chrysanthemum tea or wine. Mm. Um, you they, got it. They have the power <laughs> <laughs> of driving away evil spirits. Oh, okay. And also prevent one from getting a chill if it's hot tea, right, mm. in late autumn. Mm. Um, and it's been a tradition for like a couple of centuries, except nowadays people drink it. It also has the property of uh, calming you down. Mm. Nowadays, even if you feel like, ah, uh, sometimes when you feel like you have too much heat in your system, mm-hmm. like people would drink this tea. Mm. So interesting culture stories. Um, I'm sure you can find you know, those online if people are interested. Absolutely. So it is Chong Yang, C-H-O-N-G space Y-A-N-G Chong Yang. And it is a festival yeah. uh, every year. And this time it coincides with National Week, which is a, right. a big break from work for a lot of people across China. And it's a modern holiday. And also um, the Double Ninth Festival. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's perfect. The time of the year is perfect for outdoor activities. So on this day, a lot of people like to go hiking mm. and like climbing in the countryside. Um, and so it's like your last opportunity to enjoy nature before like winter comes or something. Yeah, because in Beijing, winter is coming is serious. I've got my big winter jackets out already. Already? Yeah, it's like it's going to be soon. In just a couple of months, there'll be like freezing cold, negative 10 degrees Celsius. I feel like we're still in summer at the end of summer, but in Beijing, spring and fall, they're both pretty short. So enjoy them. Enjoy them while we can. That's a great idea. Thank you so much for your time today, Bebe. Thank you. Please join us next time on The Bridge where we connect East and West. Yes. Thank you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.